Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. everybody what's up welcome into the athletic fantasy football podcast dfs edition for week 14 michael beller and Derek van riper here with you going to talk you through all of the dfs options that are available to us here in this week 14 main slate dvr what's going on man not too much it's uh, another friday hard to believe we're almost to the end of the football season end of the year too though right this is actually a great time to play dfs anytime's a great time to play dfs <laughs> this is a great time to play dfs because as your season-long leagues might come to an end, if you have players that you missed out on, if you had a down year, you had a great year, it's another opportunity to have some fun each and every weekend. Yeah, it really is, and uh, just a good time to savor what's left of uh, these big slates. We've only got a couple of weeks left, and then it gets into the playoffs, which is awesome in its own right, but these are the waning weeks of having all these games available to us on the main slate and just all these games available to us in any which way that you're looking at them. So let's take a look at them, DVR. We've got uh, an intriguing main slate, and part of that reason why I think it's intriguing is that we've got one game on the main slate with a huge total, Bills Bucks, 53.5 is the total on that game, as it should be. I personally expect it to be a very high-scoring game. You go down to find the next highest total DVR, you have to go down a full 5 Points. 48 and a half is the total between the Bengals and the 49ers on BetMGM. I don't know this for sure, DVR. I don't have the uh, totals cataloged in my brain from week one all the way up to the present day. But I feel comfortable assuming that a five-point gap between the top total and the second highest total is comfortably the widest that we've seen this season. Do you think because of that, you have to get some exposure to Bill's Bucks? I don't know if you necessarily have to because I think it depends on the format. Like in cash games, it probably makes sense to have something there. There's plenty of, of fantasy goodness, but prices are key, right? Do you look at those teams and say Leonard Fournette at 7,400 is a running back in cash games that I like because of the way they're they're using him now? I think we're closer to that now in these last few weeks than we've really ever been during his time in Tampa Bay. So maybe you could say he's your expensive running back building block and you could come back with, you know, maybe Cole Beasley at 5,000 to save some money and, and have a small like one and one from this game. You could probably do that as a, a sort of a cash game default approach. But I think in tournaments, you do have to look at those projected roster rates and see if you're getting enough leverage on the field. And, and if you feel if you feel like with the pricing of some of these top guys, you have enough value on the bottom of your roster to actually get a balanced lineup that you like. I mean, I think Diggs is expensive at 8,100. Josh Allen's expensive all the time. At seven, he's 7,800 this too. week. Brady's 7,600. So it just puts you into this build where if enough value, enough cheap guys don't surface between now and, and kickoff on Sunday, you might feel like your lineup falls a bit short. So that's my one concern about building too heavily around this game, especially in tournaments. It's expensive, and it might be really popular. 
My favorite thing about this game, my favorite player in this game, the only one who I'm definitely having exposure to is Mike Evans. Mike Evans checks in at 6600 He's $500 cheaper than Chris Godwin. He is $1,500 cheaper than Stephon Diggs. And I just don't see any way in which he doesn't have a great game without Tredavious White out there for the Bills. There's no one in the Bills who can match up with Mike Evans. We know Mike Evans' his entire career has been a red zone monster. I made this joke on Best on the Board, the Friday episode, and I felt so good about it, DVR. I'm going to run it back here. I think the only player who stops... Uh, Mike Evans from scoring a touchdown in this game is Rob Gronkowski. If we see something similar to last week where Gronk had the two red zone touchdowns from Tom Brady and Mike Evans went for seven for 99. That's the only way I see Mike Evans being held out of the end zone in this game. Buccaneers have an implied team total of 28 and a half points. So we're talking about four touchdowns being scored. I love, love Mike Evans. And I am comfortable with him being on an island in this game. Not necessarily saying I'm going to do it, but like you said, it is hard. I mean, you're capped at two players in this game. And if you make it two of Evans and Diggs, Evans and Godwin, Evans and one of the quarterbacks, even Evans and Fournette or Fournette and someone else, like you can't get a third guy in. So that's really the decision that you're having to make when you're looking at this game and this game specifically. And part of the problem too is the Bills running back situation doesn't lend itself to saying, I really like Mike Evans in this game, so let me throw a a 5,500 or 6K Bills running back out there. They don't have one in that range, and the guys that are cheaper are so unreliable that you don't like playing them in any formats. Right, so (laughs) like your your opportunities in this game get thinned out pretty quickly. I am surprised. Maybe the price is deterring people a bit more than I expected. Tom Brady, under a 5% projected roster rate right now, at least on Roto Grinders, so... Uh, maybe a Brady-Evans combo is is a way you can go. Again, uh, coming back, you probably got to go Beasley if you don't get enough cheap players between now and Sunday. Obviously, Stephon Diggs is great. So if you want to go Brady-Evans-Diggs and try and find that value, more power to you. It makes all the sense in the world to try and, and make it happen. Uh, let's look at the running back position for a second here, DVR, just because you mentioned Leonard Fournette as potentially your expensive running back. And maybe some people, even people who follow this super closely, thinking Leonard Fournette is your expensive running back. Is that really a thing? Well, Leonard Fournette is the, let's see, one, two, three, four, fifth most expensive running back this week on DraftKings at that $7,400 price ahead of him. You've got Austin Eckler, 83, Alvin Kamara, 79, Joe Mixon, 77, and Nick Chubb, 76. The only other running back above 7K is Ezekiel Elliott at 7,300. What does that say to you about the running back position on the Week 14 main slate? Not as good as it has been in recent weeks. Of course, we are missing Jonathan Taylor. I mean, assuming that Alvin Kamara gets the green light to play against the Jets, that's a great play. That's a great building block because I think he's going to catch a ton of passes. Taysom Hill has some significant limitations in how he can throw the ball right now, <laughs> and the Jets can't stop the run. So it's a fantastic Camara script. Like he could be eight catches plus eighteen plus carries. Like I mean, that's that's a really nice option. Twenty five touches for a guy like that against that defense could be a thirty plus point day. Like that's well within range. But I think the more common approach, again, looking at the Roto Grinders usage to this point, Antonio Gibson's still underpriced at six thousand. Uh, bulletin board material or not, I mean, I think Washington Dallas is going to be a good game offensively. I think that's one of those back and forth matchups where, uh, e- even with Heineke still at quarterback in Washington, I still think that team is good enough to hang around in a game that might get to the higher end of the over-under totals this weekend. So Gibson at 6K, I I like that as a chalky running back play at the price. He should probably cost $1,000 more than that based on the recent usage. 
and you can easily find an option on the Dallas side to bring it back with. Michael Gallup might be the most intriguing of the receivers right now because of price. How much do you trust his recent usage, though? I mean, it's been good, like four weeks running. Yeah, I feel pretty good about his recent usage because of just what this offense is. I mean, this is a great passing offense, and you look at both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard being banged up right now. As of our recording, it seems like both guys will be able to go, but this could be a game where we really see just Dak Prescott go heavy pass, and we were where they go heavy pass, and so there's just there's room for all three of these receivers to get going. I would be a tiny bit worried about Gallup just because Amari Cooper obviously didn't play very much in Week 13. It was his first game back after being activated from the COVID list, and they had him on a snap count. They stayed pretty strict to that snap count. And when he was out there, DVR, he looked pretty good. He had that one really long play where he was a shoestring tackle away from turning what ended up being like a 35-yard gain into a 75-yard touchdown. He looked like himself. He was limited but he looked like himself. So now we've got full-on Amari Cooper. doesn't even have an injury designation going into the weekend. And so I'd be a little bit concerned. It actually drives me a little bit more to Cooper himself at 5,900. You've got CeeDee Lamb sitting up at 7,200. I think Amari Cooper is actually my favorite of the Cowboys receiver trio this week sitting at 59. Yeah, definitely some tournament appeal with Cooper because if he gets into that 7-8 target range again, he could make value pretty easily, just $400 more expensive than Michael Gallup this week. But that's one of those games I definitely like. I understand why Gibson's chalky. I fully support it. It Makes all the sense in the world to me. Uh, The other running backs that I think kind of stand out to me, Eli Mitchell makes a lot of sense. 6,700. I think our our trust issues with the... You gotta make sure he's playing. I mean, that's the problem there. As long as he's going, and I guess it it is... Late kick. Late kick, so you gotta have a pivot ready. But in terms of how they use him when he's available... No complaints, right? I, the the concerns we had about the shenanigans, the Shanahanigans, Shanahanigans, the Shanahanigan shenanigans. <laughs> you guys and, talking about shenanigans? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Farva. Uh, I, I like the way they're using Eli Mitchell. Who doesn't? And if we yeah. if we just have clarity that he's going to play, I think you could go Mitchell Gibson and spend a little less on running back, and then have that extra money to spend elsewhere. All right, so let's actually talk about that for a second. Let's talk about the 49ers because it is a late kick. It is a 48.5 total, as that's the second highest total between the 49ers and the Bengals. It's a late kick. Eli Mitchell sitting at 6,700, didn't practice Thursday. You and I are recording this before practice reports come out on Friday. You've got Jeff Wilson, who is going to play. He lost his injury designation, so he'll be out there. 44 hundred dollars is the pivot uh, or is the price for Jeff Wilson and maybe it's a combined pivot right maybe that's what you do maybe you know that you're going to play Mitchell or Wilson and then you have a 2k increase to play somewhere else if Wilson or if Mitchell excuse me is indeed out in this game Friday's practice report going to be key for the 49ers to be looking at yeah I'm wondering if there's some way to have that kind of baked into what you're running it back with on the Bengals side of that matchup mm-hmm. right if you're playing San Francisco running backs you're probably playing a Bengals pass catcher so maybe you you don't build around Jamar Chase but you upgrade to Jamar Chase you know from T Higgins right. it's only a $500 difference there maybe you could do something like that in in the other pieces of your lineup I would absolutely make sure you're accounting for that salary difference with the pivot options kind of have the the in out versions of the lineups already made mm-hmm. prior to getting that news 90 minutes before kickoff uh, is there any other game that you're looking at with interest I mean there like there are so many games DVR that are sitting down in the 43 42 range Giants Chargers 43 total Lions Broncos 42 Falcons Panthers 41 and a half 
Jets Saints, 43. Uh, Jags Titans, 43.5. Ravens Browns, 42.5. I mean, not all of those games are going to hew to that total. One of those games is getting to 48-49. It's just, I mean, the math of it is overwhelming. Is there any one of those that jumps out at you as maybe the sneaky high-scoring game of the week? Uh, I mean, it's not even sneaky. I think it's that Dallas-Washington game. I'm. This is a trash slate, to be <laughs> perfectly honest. I mean, can can the Raiders find a way to put points on the board other than Thanksgiving? It's yeah. been a rough four-game stretch for their offense. I mean, Kansas City's defense still is a problem. Even if their offense is starting to click and, and look more like what we're accustomed to, I think the problem I have banking on the Raiders doing something this week is you know, not having Darren Waller. It would be a huge problem for them. You just can't keep missing pieces in this offense and expect the same results. So we'll see. I mean, we don't have a practice report for Friday just yet. If it looks like Waller can actually go in, in something close to full capacity, maybe I've got a little bit of confidence in the Raiders holding their own in that matchup against Kansas City. I mean, there's so many trash games. Like We don't know, like, but the Giants, is, is it Glennon or is it Fromm? Like, it, either way, it's bad. It's bad either way. <laughs> so are, can they even find a way to keep pace with the Chargers? Like That's kind of lingering out there. Maybe Browns-Ravens is one of those games you could look at and say, maybe implied 22 in change to 19 in so change. bad recently. But they at least have some... They have playmakers. Yeah, they've got firepower, both teams for sure. Yeah, so I I think I'm talking myself into that as maybe the the surprising game and weather in Cleveland this time of year. Naturally a concern. What about Falcons Panthers? I, I like it, it, like that's what like those teams are bad. Like that's that's where games get screwy. Like the Ravens and Browns are like at least solid teams, right? And so like I feel like those teams can like do what they want to do well. Regard and and that's going to keep that relatively low scoring. Like the, the where games get screwy is when both teams are bad, and that's what we've got in Falcons Panthers. And that's also a game where you've got Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts on one side, and Russell Gage has had a couple of big games recently. You got Cam, who's liable to do a billion different things. Chuba Hubbard has showed us uh, decent efforts previously this season when Christian McCaffrey's been out. DJ Moore, I mean, take DJ Moore out of Carolina, plop him on Kansas City, plop him on Minnesota. DJ Moore probably talking about him as like a top 10 wide receiver. So like that's a game that's got firepower and bad teams at its back. And maybe that helps that be the high, the surprise game of the week. That would be my pick. I could see it. I mean, I think just from a range of outcomes perspective, we've already seen ceiling and floor from Cam Newton in his return to Carolina. <laughs> yeah, it, it happened a little faster than I expected. Um <laughs> So I, I don't want to get obsessed with how bad it looked against the Dolphins. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they fired Joe Brady, so you've got to change with the offensive coordinator. They're teetering for sure, like they, mm-hmm. but there's talent there. Like it, The problem I have with that game, I guess, I do still believe in Carolina's defense, and I think Atlanta playing as shorthanded as they have been really ever since Calvin Ridley stepped away, that offense – just doesn't have that much. I mean, Corderell Patterson's been a nice surprise for us this year, but teams have been able to really focus on Kyle Pitts. And, yes. and unless you're excited about playing Russell Gage again this week, coming off the big game last week, what are you doing on the Atlanta side? It's either Gage or Patterson, maybe Pitts in tournaments. Like, what, who, who do you specifically like in this game if you think it does yeah. exceed expectations? 
it's, it would be Pitts. I mean, is who I would like, and that's who I could talk myself into just because the talent is so overwhelming. Uh, and at this point, he's you know he's bagged what thirteen games for twelve games in his rookie year, and he's getting the opportunities right. Seven targets uh, last week, six the week before that, five, seven, seven. So the opportunities are there for him. The one like truly bad, I guess he's had two bad games. One was against the Jags. The one I was giving him a pass for was against the Patriots, which you know no shame in that. So. I still think there's there's something to like here, and that too would have to be. I'm just hunting for a game that could surprise us, and just that that one lines up. Good offensive players on both sides, um, bad teams, short spread. Like that one lines up to me as the one that if I'm looking at those ones that are sitting 43 and lower, and I'm trying to find a game that maybe is going to fly under the radar, that's the one that jumps out at me more than Chargers Giants or, or Broncos Lions or, or Ravens Browns for that matter, because I trust at least the Browns defense to do what it's supposed to do in that game. Yeah, and I guess the way I would attack it is I would probably, in a tournament, gamble on Cam, pair him with DJ Moore, and bring it back with one of Pitts or Gage or Patterson. One of those three guys. That's that's the stack I'd want to play if I was playing a stack from that game. It makes sense, and it's something to look about. It's something to think about this week as you are trying to find out what you're going to do other than maybe find a line or two of investment in Buccaneers and Bills, the one game I think that we can be confident in being high-scoring this week. That's going to wrap things up for us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks again for being with us for this DFS edition for Week 14. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Have a great weekend. Good luck with everything this weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.